We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, the Bulls are on an eight-game winning streak. The Bulls taking home an ugly 102-98 victory over the Orlando Magic at home on Monday night to push the winning streak to eight games. Uh, It was a pretty brutal offensive performance by the Bulls, but they did just enough to eke out the win. Uh, Bulls now sitting atop the Eastern Conference with a two-game lead. They're 25-10 and 10 on the season. Two-game cushion between them and the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn about to get Kyrie Irving back on Wednesday. He'll only be playing road games for them. And both Kyrie Irving and Clay Thompson will be facing the Bulls in the United Center next week. That's going to be fun. Uh, but for now, you look at the Bulls, and they are one of four teams in the NBA, Jason who has won at least 70% of their games. Bulls 25 and 10, 71.4% winning percentage. Uh, We have not done this podcast, Jason, since DeMar DeRozan hit back-to-back buzzer beaters, as I'm sure you've heard by now. No player had ever done it in NBA history, hitting two in a row on consecutive days. That's what DeRozan did on New Year's Eve with a game winner against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Heave, uh, after being matched up against Amana Sabonis on the switch, and then New Year's Day, just a ridiculous dagger from the corner, pump fake into a three against the Washington Wizards to stun them. Uh, I've basically spent the last few days, Jason, floating on a cloud because of this eight-game winning streak, because of these two DeMar DeRozan and buzzer beaters. I've probably watched them at least 10 to 15 times myself. Curious about you, but uh, what a stretch this is for the Bulls not necessarily playing their best ball in general as a team, especially defensively. You've noticed the lack of Alex Caruso, who's still out. You've noticed the lack of Alonzo Ball, who finally came back in the win over the Magic last night. Bulls not exactly getting it done defensively. The offense has been filthy, led by Levine and DeRozan. And what a stretch of ball for the Bulls, though, man. Uh, 
me and you were confident coming into the season. You said you thought you could win 50 games. They, you could, they could win 50 games. I said 45 when we went through the schedule earlier this year. And uh, now here they are two games up on the nets in the East. Pretty remarkable. Yeah. So we're in 2022 now. Happy new year, by the way, to you and to everybody else out there. Happy new year. Uh, what a way to go into 2022. First of all, with that Pacers game, which it looked like they were definitely going to lose. Oh, uh, well, actually, they were winning most of the game, but they were not playing well. Uh, you talk about how they, doesn't seem like they're not really playing their best ball right now. Uh, that Pacers game, they were kind of just like hovering like with a lead for most of the game. And then fourth quarter, they were getting destroyed. Uh, I mean, DeMar was not good that game for most of the game. Then they got destroyed on the glass, destroyed in the Levine paint. wasn't good that game. For yeah, Levine, I was tweeting all game, just like DeMar and Zach, like they were playing awful. Like Zach was like falling all over the place, had balls like squirting through his legs. DeMar was short arming or just coming up short on like all his jumpers. It looked like they were dead in the water. Pacers went up six in like the last two minutes. Kobe White, huge three-pointer. And we will be talking a lot more about Kobe White later in this podcast because he has been very good lately since I called him out and said Iodo Smith was better than him. Uh, he had a huge three. Bulls defense came up big. D- DeMar finally hits a big shot after Levine had a few misses at the basket. And then they get one more big stop. And then, I mean, that, that first game winner, I mean, absolutely hilarious. He had, DeMar admits that he lost total, like, uh, he had no idea how much time was left. Lost total, just like, uh, had no idea what was going on with the clock. That's how you end up getting, like, they're only down one. They didn't need a three. And instead of, like, dribbling into a mid-range shot, which you figured would have been his ideal shot, he dribbles into a one-legged, like, running three-pointer that somehow goes in. Uh, Zach Levine's instant reaction to it like if you just like watch him standing on the other side like him and Vooch are wide open on the other side of the court and there I feel like Zach was just like his like was like just so it was like almost dumbfounded he had like no reaction initially Demar's getting mobbed Zach was just kind of like standing there like all right like awesome and then he obviously celebrated after that but it was like just such a shocking make uh on that shot for DeRozan and then the next night New Year's Day uh, I, I was kind of chalking that one up to a loss in Washington. You you got the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day back-to-back. Wizards are a pretty solid team in Washington, both games on the road. I kind of figured the Bulls wouldn't play well, and they really did not play well. They were down most of this game. Zach Levine had a big scoring game to kind of keep them in it, uh, kind of in it, but I think they were down double digits at half. They were down most of the game, but they just hung around, hung around, and then again, you just get a ridiculous DeMar DeRozan. This one from the corner, like double clutch, another three-pointer. Again, DeRozan not known as a three-point shooter, as we all know. To hit two game winners, and for both of them to be three-pointers, absolutely ridiculous, making history and just like totally against his game. Uh, to come to steal those two wins is absolutely huge. Like I said, I was hoping for one and one. Uh, if they would have, they easily could have lost both the way they played, and they somehow come out with both wins to keep their winning streak going. And in this Magic game that you were you were at, you said you were at this game, uh, ugly game. I was hoping I tweeted earlier in the day, like you know, like it would be really nice beat this bum Magic team by twenty. You don't have to worry about much. They got a they got a Bulls have a long break coming up before playing again on Friday. Uh, Magic were, went to overtime against the Celtics the night before. They should have won that game. They blew it in regulation. I think they blew a fourteen point lead late. Uh, to go to overtime with Jalen Brown going off. I'm like, all right, Bulls, take care of business here. You got Lonzo back. Uh, you've had you had a day off after all the New Year, after those crazy butter beaters, buzzer beaters. They go down, what, 11 in the first quarter, just like to- playing totally awful. They ended up bouncing back. And it, you were hoping in the second half that they would kind of run away with it. There were a few times that I like, got up nine, I think, eight, nine. 
Uh, so they like they kind of had them mostly at bay, but the Magic kept hanging around. They're like, oh god, like they're are they really going to blow this game? They went up eight in like the final two minutes, and then they almost they almost blew it. <laughs> they like the, down the stretch. Demar and Zach both had bad turnovers. Demar missing free throws. We saw Demar shoot like three hundred free throws after the game because he missed. I think he was seven of thirteen from the line yesterday, which is just totally uncharacteristic of him. He still had a pretty solid game overall, but the missed free throws, some bad turnovers, some bad fouls. Uh, late, I was like, oh, they're not really going to do this, are they? They luckily pulled it out. There was that flagrant foul on, was that R.J. Hampton who committed that flagrant? And DeMar yeah, burns it back door. Yeah, hit him, hit him in the, or kind of came down around his neck. That's the flagrant that kind of helped the Bulls win that game. So, you, I mean, you, you win, a win's a win. I said that I wanted them to win by 20, help that point differential, but you get the win anyways. Move it to eight in a row. You'll take the win as you get it. You get a few days off now. Maybe Alex Caruso comes back for the next game, I believe, is home against the Wizards on Friday. So you got eight. You hopefully make that nine in a row. Uh, because the schedule is coming is starting to get real tough here. Uh, you get the Mavericks, I believe, on the road on Sunday. We have a game added against the Pistons. They rescheduled all those postponements. You got a game added against the Pistons, turning that Nets game next week into a into a doubleheader or a back to back game. Then they got the Warriors, a Warriors Celtics doubleheader. Like the schedule is about to be tough. So banking these DeRozan game winning wins. You know, pull out this magic game to get to 25 and 10. Banking all these wins is absolutely huge with a really tough part of the schedule coming up. And yeah, I mean, on cloud nine, the fact that it's 2022 and the start 22 and the Bulls are in first place by multiple games. And even like this with the magic game last night, the Bucks lost to the Pistons last night. So it's like the Bulls were the only team. We saw the Nets get pummeled by John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are obviously very good. Ja has been absolutely incredible, but it's not like the Bulls were the only team to struggle. There will be those nights where we struggle against bum teams, and we see the Bucks. They lost to the Pistons. Uh, so the Bulls were able to pull it out, and that's huge. Eight in a row, first place. Great vibes going right now with the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I got some stats since the streak began over this eight-game winning streak, and that's a win over the Lakers, the Rockets, the Pacers, the Hawks, the Hawks again, the Pacers again, the Wizards, and now the Magic. So over that eight-game winning streak, uh, Bulls second in offense in the league, 17th in defense, and sixth in net rating. Uh, In terms of some individual player stats, you have DeRozan and Zach both absolutely going off. Uh, they're not like too much better than their regular season numbers, but a little uptick DeRozan averaging 28 and a half points per game over the streak and shooting 55% from three. Now he's only taking one attempt a game or 1.1 attempts per game, but you know, it's nice to have him be able to hit those wide open shots or to be able to hit these super clutch buzzer beaters uh, with the game on the line and the pressure on his shoulders. So DeRozan continues to just be an absolute assassin. We've also seen a little uptick in his playmaking, 5.8 assists over the streak. Now, he had this big boom in playmaking on the Spurs the last two seasons. He's not averaging quite as many assists this year. That's fallen off a little bit as, you know, a lot of times it's just been DeRozan creating for himself or Levine and Vucevic working in a two-man game. But uh, nice to see DeRozan lean into his playmaking a little bit more over this streak. And then Levine, 27.7 points per game. He's making 54% of his threes on eight attempts per game. And he's been 91% from the foul line. Vucevic is averaging 14 and a half rebounds per game, 17.8 points per game, and 37.8% shooting from three-point range on five and a half attempts per game. So he's been really good. And then, yeah, Kobe has been the other uh, big reason for this winning streak. 
You know, before this winning streak started, Jason, we did not know if Kobe White was going to be a piece who could help the Bulls this year. Both of us have been critical of him to an extent. I've also said I thought that, you know, the idea of a productive and competent version of Kobe White, there's a role for that guy on this team. The Bulls are still dead last in the league in three-point rate and three-point attempts per game. The Bulls are last, by the way their first and three point percentage. The bulls are also last in the league in bench points. So they could use a bench score. They could use someone who could shoot threes. Kobe white has been providing both of those things in spades since the streak started 16 points per game, shooting 43% from three. Uh, so the whole team's just clicking right now, Jason, it seems like, and this is with guys missing games. I think Levine has missed a couple games uh, on this stretch uh, Caruso's only played two games on this eight game winning streak. Lonzo's only played three games counting the win last night. So like I said, not the bulls. This doesn't seem like the peak version of the bulls yet, but the fact that they're still able to grind out these wins. Yeah. They might've got a little lucky with DeRozan saving them, uh, against the Pacers and against the wizards, but just really impressive. And it could potentially pay off in a big way at the end of the season when we're starting to look at playoff matchups. Yeah. I mean, given just the season in general with all, all the time guys have missed. I know the bulls have been one of the teams hit hardest. I think they have the most games missed from COVID protocols. I think I just saw that stat come out today. Yeah. Uh, I think they were like fifth in like I, Kevin Pelton did something at ESPN too. I just saw that like in terms of like the warp or whatever, some advanced said like how much, like whatever has, has missed the bulls were like fourth or fifth on that list. So they missed a ton of time. And, this, and, and I know they've faced, they've also faced teams that have missed guys. And with the Hawk, those Hawks games, they were missing guys. Pacers missing guys, but every, I mean, every team is missing guys right now, basically missing key guys. So like any win right now, you'll take whatever you'll take any win lucky or not, whatever you bank these wins and you, hopefully you get healthy for the second half of the season in the playoffs. And like you said, they're not, I, they're not playing great right now, but you, I think that's a testament to like that, that Pacers game. I was tweeting that having some drinks. It was new year's Eve watching, uh, firing a bunch of tweets off. Like, that game was awful. I feel like just from the start, like both teams look like shit. The Bulls played like crap. I said, I mentioned before, like Zach and DeMar were, were mostly bad. But the fact that they still won that game while those guys played like shit, played like crap, such crap, like it, it was one of the best wins of the season, even though it was so awful to watch. To, to get those wins while those two guys are playing so poorly is huge. Kobe White, again, Kobe, the Bulls would not have won them. I feel like all any of these last three games really without Kobe White's contributions, he was great again last night against the Magic. He, I believe, he he was good against the Pacers. He was he was good against the Wizards as well. The Bulls don't win, keep the streak going without Kobe White stepping up with the other guys not playing quite as quite as well in some of these games. So to be able to not always be at your best, but still pulling out wins, especially with all the just goofiness going on with the season, it's just a great sign uh, for this team and moving forward and how good they could possibly be. Yeah, man, the success of the team, I think, really starts, obviously, with the pairing between Levine and DeRozan. And the more and more this goes on, Jace, the more trust I just have in these two guys to rescue the Bulls at the end of the games. They have two absolute assassins who can create their own shot in the half court who are both really good in transition as well. Uh, Zach and DeRozan, this is like this is pretty much unlike anything we've ever seen. Those two guys carrying the offense, at least going back to the dynasty years. DeRozan averaging 27 a game. I've got him as a top five MVP candidate now after the last two uh, buzzer beaters. And then Levine averaging 26 a game. I think both of those guys are in line to start the all-star game in the Eastern Conference at this point, which is just such a ridiculous turnaround. Uh, 
Uh, let me. Oh, I will say. I was thinking about that because I know Kendrick Perkins tweeted that they should start, and I saw people talking about this today as well. Uh, because DeRozan is listed as a guard uh, in the Eastern Conference on the All Star voting. I'm guessing it's going to end up being Trey Young and then DeRozan, and I think Levine will probably be a reserve. Because Trey Young's putting up ridiculous numbers. Yeah, this he's season. second like, in the league in scoring. He's yeah, like, like I, I think it's going to end up being Trey and DeRozan as the starting backcourt. I know some people were complaining about DeRozan being listed as a guard. I mean, whatever, man. Like he plays a lot of like pseudo point guard, anyways. They're all. I mean, him, DeRozan, him, Zach, and Blonzo are all kind of guards. Technically, DeRozan's probably playing forward because that's who he's guarding. But like, whatever. My guess is the starting in the East will be Trey, DeRozan, KD, Embiid. Giannis would be my guess on a starting five. Levine Locke as a reserve, obviously. Uh, but it would be awesome. I mean, you never know how the voting could shake out because it's the mix of what players, fans, uh, is do coaches have any impact on the or media? I can't remember who how the all-star voting works, but I mean maybe it is both with the Bulls playing so well and the Hawks struggling, maybe Zach and Demar both end up starting. I would guess Trey gets one of those spots because his numbers are just ridiculous, but uh they at least have an argument to be the starting backcourt, and that would be fucking dope. Yeah, and I feel like – so what we've seen from Levine since the last time we talked is he missed so much time with COVID, comes back, and now he's fully healthy. Before, his left hand was hampering him. I think that, you know, when he was driving left, it was just like the the thumb was affecting him or the hand yeah. injury was affecting him. And now that's not really the case. Levine just looks so damn explosive, man. He had – a go-ahead bucket late in the Wizards game where they're running a little Spain pick and roll. Levine pops out to the top. He was like screening the screener on the end of it, goes into a pump fake and then rips a three. And then if you look at what he was doing against uh, the Magic, just threes and layups the entire time, right? Against against the Wizards, I think he hit seven threes in that game. Uh, So he was just like spamming threes, and was hitting some really deep ones in that game too. Washington. Wiped out as well at that right before the half. The shot clock like malfunction or the clock malfunction right. took away a ridiculous three hit right at the end of the first half. That would have been his eighth. Yeah. Uh, so he had seven in that game and was just awesome. And then uh, against the Magic, he was either driving to the rim or ripping threes. So Levine is just ridiculously good, and he's always needed someone like DeRozan next to him, someone to sort of alleviate the burden in the tensest moments of the game. DeRozan is just particularly good at it. He has been all season. Basically what you have is a Bulls team that puts so many shooting threats on the floor, spaces out in the half court, lets DeRozan go to work. DeRozan is almost impossible to defend in one-on-one situations because guys can't stop themselves from fouling. Despite the rule change (laughs) this year, a lot of guys aren't drawing as many fouls. DeRozan still so good at getting to the line. And besides for the magic game, DeRozan's basically money at the line. By the way, Jason, that Magic game was the sixth game in nine days for the Bulls. Uh, I think you could see them wearing down a little bit, so I'm glad they have this break off until Friday because you know when you think about DeRozan, who's been like a 90% free throw shooter the entire season, going 7-13 to from the line against Orlando, I think that that's mostly just tired legs. And, uh, you know, he's had a lot on his shoulders. Should be something the Bulls think about, I think, for the rest of, you know, this the end of this regular season. You kind of have to balance, like, trying to get the best seed possible in the matchup that you want in the playoffs. And then also like keeping DeRozan fresh because he is 32 years old. He has a history of wearing down a bit in the playoffs when he gets into tougher matchups. Uh, But the DeRozan we're seeing right now has been one of the 10 best players in the NBA this year. There's no doubt about that. And Levine is pretty much right there with him at this point. I mean, uh, they, their games complement each other so well. And 
there's really just no answer for the two of them when they both have it going. I love the way both Chris Fleming and Donovan have sort of used them to play off each other, whether it's having them screen for each other or even just like set ghost screens, or you'll see the three of them with Vooch get involved in like some Spain pick and roll actions. Uh, I think we're seeing a little more symmetry between the Bulls' best players lately. And uh, with Levine fully healthy, some of these actions are just impossible to stop given the skill sets of all the guys involved. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to the point about the rest, I think that is all will also be made even more important again with these schedule uh, rescheduling of these games because they've had a couple back to backs added. In addition to this Nets game becoming a back to back next week, the in March the Bulls play the war or the Bucks on a Friday. I think it's one of their ESPN games. Now they have a game right before that as well. So with a couple backs, I think it's three total back to backs were created out of this reschedule. So like. Those are games where maybe you wonder if, like, maybe you rest tomorrow on one of them. I'm sure he'd love to play as much as possible, but it's definitely that's definitely something that's going to have to be taken into consideration. Uh, the back half of the season, yeah. I mean, both guys are playing great, both guys ha- will be all stars, both guys have an argument for all NBA, and all NBA will be important for Zach this year because if Zach makes all NBA, he becomes eligible for Supermax contract extension. So that's something that'll be there's obviously so much good talent in the NBA, and I'd have to look. Like I'd have to look again to set all the all these guys because you got to be in the top fifteen to make all NBA. He's all gonna NBA be right. really close though, man. Yeah, it's he gonna be like I think Demar is guaranteed probably like second team All NBA right now. Maybe you could even make an argument for first team All NBA, and then Zach maybe third team could make be a third team guy. Like if the Bulls, I mean, if the Bulls continue winning like this and they win fifty five to sixty games, like. I think I don't see how both guys aren't all both all NBA, uh, but they got to keep winning. Uh, they are on track for something like a record like that right now, but they got to actually do it, stay healthy and do that. And maybe they both get it. Uh, DeMar, unfortunately, as for anyone who cares, I guess, about like player of the week, player of the month, DeMar was unfortunately beat out by Joel Embiid and Easter Conference player of the month. Uh, I think it's honestly only because DeMar only played eight games because of Bulls missing games and then him being out for health and safety. DeMar had a ridiculous month, averaged over 29 points a game, over five assists per game, I think like four or five rebounds. He shot over 51%. Uh, I think he shot like 60% from three, something silly like that. You mentioned he's been shooting great from three, even on low volume, but he only played eight games. Joel Embiid put up very huge numbers. The Sixers uh, played 14 games and went eight and six. So I think, honestly, maybe because of just because that he didn't play enough games. Otherwise, I feel like DeRozan could have easily won this award this month. I mean, Levine also had an argument. I don't think that Levine was actually like in the like the consolation like nominees, but Levine's December numbers were also ridiculous. Like he could have easily been on that list as well. So just a testament to them and how good they've been playing, their burgeoning chemistry. Uh, I think Zach tweeted about it, looked like he was upset about uh DeRozan not winning uh player of the month. Uh these and these guys have just been great together, they're growing together, building that chemistry and uh We'll see where they can take the Bulls. Dude, while the Bulls are on an eight-game winning streak, DeRozan's on a personal 11-game winning streak. DeRozan hasn't lost a game since the first Heat game on November 27th. They lost 107 to 104 in that game. I believe that was the last game DeRozan lost. So uh, just incredible, those two. And, you know, what? whatever the Bulls do from here, like, You sort of owe it to Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan to make the most you can of this season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about some some trade speculation maybe in a little bit, but uh, I think we should talk about Kobe too. Yeah, because Kobe's been awesome. Uh, rewatching the so I rewatched the fourth quarter of the Pacers game and the Wizards game uh, earlier today, and Kobe's just making key defensive plays. Shocking to see in both of those games <laughs> against the Pacers, he gets the defensive rebound. It was like a tough contested defensive rebound that set up the DeRozan game winner. Uh, and then against the Wizards in the fourth quarter, he had like a pretty remarkable uh, transition stop where he like darted across the court, stole a fast break pass from Washington, got a steal. That was with like two or three minutes left. Uh, even from like in some of these games against the the Pacers, I think he had three steals in that game. He made a great defensive rotation to steal the opening pass. The thing that Billy Donovan's credited him for has been getting around screens. Kobe has a history of, uh, you know, just being sort of a, a smaller, thinner defender, even though he's got good height at six, four, sometimes he's just gotten leveled by screens. Now he's doing a good job uh, of, you know, staying attached to his man on the screen, being able to, uh, you know, to get skinny, to stay around screens. So Kobe defensively making strides. Uh, he was not considered, you know, even an average defender coming into this year. So he has plenty of ground to make up. But I think defensively, he's looking solid. And then offensively, what I've really noticed is that Kobe's finally started upping the volume from three-point range. Before the eight-game winning streak, Kobe was taking three and a half threes a game. During the eight-game winning streak, he's taking six and a half threes per game. Some of that is just because he's gotten more of an opportunity with uh, Lonzo and Caruso yeah. missing games. They've needed Kobe in the starting lineup. Uh, but against the Pacers in particular, six to seven from three. And there were so many shots in that game where I feel like before Kobe would have record scratched, he wouldn't have acted so decisively in getting the shot up. But when he does act decisively and when he has a one track mind to, to shoot or to either pump fake and attack, uh, both of those areas of his game have been looking really good. Like I said, Bulls desperately need in some scoring punch off the bench. Uh, the best version of Kobe White can definitely be that guy. And we're getting it late lately, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the all-around game turnaround has been huge. Obviously, him hitting shots was the first step, but this has also come along with like some improved playmaking we've seen some of. Uh, we've seen the defense, as you mentioned. So Kobe White all of a sudden going from like kind of streaky, but doesn't isn't doing anything else. All of a sudden, this last like week or so into raining threes making nice plays with the pass and drive some making some defensive impact. I mean, just obviously changes the game for him helps change the game for the bulls. Uh, he had a really nice shot to help close out the magic last night though. He kind of wheeled around, hit a nasty little fadeaway. It's like, it was he DeMar DeRozan out there with a little mid range 
fadeaway that he took. That was when the Bulls offense was kind of hitting a bit of a rut. Kobe hits a huge shot in the clutch, and a tough shot too. Uh, so Kobe like doing that just helps, helps raise their ceiling even more. So obviously then the question is like, we've talked about him and tr- is he going to be a part of this team uh, going into the playoffs? Will they look to trade him? Like, is this a situation where, all right, his like value is coming up. Do you sell kind of high on him? And, or, I mean, he's got to keep playing well, but we've seen him play. We've seen him have these stretches before where he plays great. Remember, I mean, that rookie year where after the all-star break, he has like five, six games where he scores like 30 points. And then the season stops. He's had these stretches before where he can play really great. It's a matter of, can he maintain that? So like if, if Kobe does like keep playing, like at least maybe not this, this great, but like pretty damn good as we lead up to the trade deadline, are you more inclined to be like, all right, let's trade him now for something better. Or do you think, as we've said, we think we could really use a piece like him on the team, or do you think you keep him and you try to, and you, uh, look for other pieces to trade instead. Yeah. They need a really good return if they're going to trade Kobe. And I assume if they're going to trade Kobe, it's probably going to be in a package with Patrick Williams. And our boy Mort wrote a really good piece today at heavy.com sort of breaking down some of the speculation that the bulls could go after either Jeremy Grant or Harrison Barnes. From my point of view, Grant is much more realistic because the Pistons, the worst team in the league again, Uh, they have a clear path and they have an incentive to rebuild the Kings. It's like, they're always sort of in this middle ground where they suck, but they like, don't want to suck. They want to try to be the last. They are right. Kind of right there in the plane. And they've been so bad for so long. We're like, if they have a shot at the plane, I think they'll go for it just because they haven't been in the, I think they've the NBA's longest postseason drought. So like, if they have a shot, I, you almost think like that maybe they are even like buyers. I mean, who you never know with the Kings. I know they have, uh, whatever they have a semi newish front office with Monty McNair there. Uh, but who knows with like Vivek, what he wants to do. Uh, and they've been, they just, they missed the playoffs for so many years in a row. Like if they're close, they might not want to sell. Cause we thought that Harrison Barnes might get traded last year. They didn't do it. They were kind of close. They missed out. Maybe something similar again happens this year. Yeah. So I think Grant is probably going to be the guy and James Edwards from the athletic wrote a piece as well on this subject and sort of like, going through some possible trade machine acquisitions for Grant. So I think the trade was Patrick Williams, Kobe White, and Derek Jones. I don't know. I don't correct? know if Kobe, I don't know if Kobe was, was a part of that. Was Kobe not in that? It might've been Matt Thomas. Honestly. Okay. Who Matt Thomas has actually been okay lately. Yeah. Him for actually hitting some but shots. trade Matt Thomas. I mean, Matt yeah, Thomas sure. is just Who cares? <laughs> and he's super replaceable. Uh, so yeah, like I think it, it's interesting. Grant is a guy who for most of his career was like a super high-end role player, right? When he was on the Nuggets during the bubble season, he sort of broke out in those playoffs. He only averaged 12 points a game that season. He ends up having a really nice playoff run in the bubble. Uh, had one big scoring game against the Lakers, I remember. I think he was pretty good against the Jazz. The Nuggets went to the conference finals and they beat the Jazz, the Clippers, and they lost to the Lakers in the bubble playoffs. And Grant was really one of the unsung heroes of that run, right? So Grant then hits free agency the next year and he's offered the same contract by the Nuggets to come back, play with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray or Detroit, where like hypothetically he would have been the best player on the team, could have put up his numbers. Grant ends up going to Detroit to like spread his wings a little bit, see what he could be as a player. A totally respectable decision for the guy at that point of his career. He's 26 years old. He's never really had a chance to be the man. He's never had a chance to, you know, make the Olympic team, which is what he did after, uh, you know, a breakout season in Detroit last year. Went from 12 points a game to 22 points a game. 
Uh, this year, his numbers are a little bit down for the Pistons, but, you know, the, the Pistons, despite being terrible, Grant is their best player, their best piece, and someone who realist, very realistically they could move. I can definitely recall the Pistons' interest in Patrick Williams around the time he was drafted. Everyone said the, the Pistons were going to scoop yeah. up Pat at number seven, and that was the first time we had heard about Patrick Williams being a top-ten pick. Before that, it was like, oh, maybe Pat will go at the end of the lottery, expect him to go in the early teens. Then the Pistons were like, we really like Patrick Williams. The smoke was that they were going to take him at number seven. The Bulls end up uh, with a shocking pick at number four. Uh, you know, that no one would have guessed basically 48 hours earlier. So the Pistons never had their chance to get Pat. And for the Pistons, I think it makes sense because, you know, it's Kate, they're on Cade Cunningham's timeline, yeah. right? Like they're totally rebuilding. And then for the Bulls, Grant would basically have to buy into a very similar role to the one he had on the Nuggets or before that on the Oklahoma City Thunder, where he's again a high impact role player who is focusing most of his energy on the defensive end of the floor and then can also give you some spot up shooting and a little bit of juice off the dribble. So it's interesting because I love the idea of what Grant could be for the Bulls defensively. Seven foot three wingspan, still a really springy, bouncy defender. I think he's a perfect option for when you want to take Vooch off the floor in the playoffs. You close with Grant as your small ball five, along with DeRozan, Levine, Lonzo, and Caruso. And I think that that's probably your five, your closing five. Uh, I'm not writing off Vooch at all because Vooch has been solid during this winning streak. And, you know, the best version of this team still needs Vooch. It'll be interesting to see, like, you know, exactly how they look with Vooch and Grant on the floor together. But it is nice to have a small ball option yeah. when other teams go yeah. super small. And, you know, Grant is just one of the few guys in the league who has the length and the athleticism to play up in size like that. So uh, it would be a, a fascinating move. But at this point, like, why not go all in? The Bulls are have a two-game cushion in the Eastern Conference on the Nets. The Nets haven't had their big three all year. Kyrie's about to debut tomorrow, can still only play in road games. Uh, this is the Bulls' chance, man. You don't know how how often these championship shots come, and you never know how long the window is going to last. The window can close a lot sooner than you think it's going to, especially when DeRozan's 32, I think, what, Vooch is 31. So going all in for someone like Jeremy Grant, I think it's going to be a really tempting move, and uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bulls pulled the trigger. Yeah, Grant, Barnes, whatever, either one. Like, uh, the Grant, like the small ball five option is definitely very intriguing. Just having those options available. And if your top six is uh, the five that the Bulls have right now, plus Grant, I mean, that is pretty awesome. You talked about buy-in. Like, I would hope, like, if he comes, like, I know like, he got he got paid by the Pistons to be the man. I know there was, like, a special connection there going to play for Dwayne Casey as well. But, like, you would think, like, okay, he's been there two years. They've lost a shit ton of games. You would think he would be fine coming back to a, a smaller role where he's competing for a championship. He'd still get, uh, he'd still obviously have be an impact player. Just wouldn't be putting up 20 points per game. Um, they'd be really interesting. And a lot of this comes that boils down to, I think, with a huge argument across Bulls Twitter is just like, do you want to trade Patrick Williams? What are you willing to trade him for? Uh, and this just goes to like the all in. Like, I mean, I guess, do you consider trading for Jeremy Grant all in? Uh, probably he'll probably be one of the better players traded at the deadline here. Uh, so I guess probably yes. And ultimately I think my answer right now with Pat, the Patrick Williams thing is, is yes, I'd be totally fine trading him. I know a lot of people 
get attached to young players, especially guys with potential. He's so young. Um, he has very intriguing potential. And then when, and when people hype him up to be all, oh, he could be like Kawhi Leonard and like other players have talked, have hyped him up. The bottom line is Patrick Williams is not going, is not going to be a factor this season. Almost certainly he has not really, he played all last season, but he was not really much of an impact player. He showed the flashes. So the question is in the next like year or two, you talk about like these windows next year, two, three years, like how good will Patrick Williams be? And like, is is he going to be a major factor on a championship team? And if the answer is no, you have to check, you have to cash him in for somebody else ready to help you right now. I feel like right now, like the, like the quiet Patrick Williams stuff, I feel like it's nonsense. Uh, again, I don't want to say he definitely will not turn into a player like close to Kawhi Leonard's caliber, but that is such like a high end, mostly unrealistic outcome. I feel like the Bulls, you're hoping Patrick Williams becomes like Jeremy Grant or like like a guy like him at some point in his career. But when is he going to be that good? Is that going to be in that? Would that be next year? Probably not. Would that be in two or three years? I mean, maybe. You just never know with these guys. So if you do, if you are in this position, you're first in the East. You have this chance. Like you said, I feel like you got to take the shot. Uh, so I would be comfortable trading Patrick Williams for a guy like Grant, probably even a guy like Barnes, I guess. I mean, Barnes is having, Harry B is having a pretty nice season. Not quite as versatile defensively as a guy like Grant, but he is a better shooter, uh, probably a better offensive player. Uh, I know there's like been memes and jokes about Harry B from his Warriors days when he had that horrible NBA finals when the Warriors blew it, but like he's still a really solid player overall. He would be, he would slide in nicely at the, at the four as well. I don't know if he'd be able to do as much small ball five stuff like Jeremy can, but guys like that, or if there's anybody else big out there on the market, uh, if the bulls want to make a bigger move, ultimately I am comfortable trading patch Williams. I, I, I know you don't want to just like ship him away for any like upgrade, but when you're this close, it's just hard. I mean, I know it. I know guys want to like stay attached to these young players' potential, but uh, the Bulls really just don't have t- like time to waste and like wait around for a guy like him. And he's not even playing this season. He's probably out for the season. Uh, so, like, what are you waiting around for? Uh, it would be it would suck to lose him, but when you're playing for a title, make the move, go all in. Yeah, like I do think there's a scenario where that trade could end up looking pretty bad yeah, for the Bulls sure. down the line. Pat. To this point, his entire stock as a prospect, the reason he went number four overall is because he has the measurables. He has the just general like frame, right? In the flashes of being a really good player, but he's never put it all together uh, to this point in his career. Now he was the youngest rookie in the NBA last year. And this year, you know, he's still what 19, 20 years old. Yeah. So uh, Patch has never been good yet. I do think Pat could end up being very good, and he is sort of the type of player that every team wants around the league. But Jeremy Grant would be a pretty damn good outcome for yep. Pat if he turned into that type of player. And you figure, got to figure that that's not going to happen for a couple more seasons. Uh, I also think there could be some questions just in like how Jeremy Grant affects the team chemistry. Right now, the team chemistry is probably one of the biggest reasons the team is so good. And I know that like. You know, you could roll your eyes at something like that, but if you've watched the team this year and anyone listening to this podcast has, there is something real to it. Like, it's the synergy between Lonzo and Caruso on the defensive end. It's uh, the synergy between Zach and DeMar on the offensive end. And you just sort of wonder, like, how is Jeremy Grant going to upset or, you know, how is he going to fit in? to just the ball movement and the offensive flow that we've seen, because 
you know, at the end of the game, Demar is going to have the ball. Everyone else is going to be spacing and the secondary action is going to be for Zach. It's not going to be for Grant. Grant is mostly going to have to be a defense first player. And then in terms of closing lineups, like I said, I like the idea of having the option of closing with a small ball center over Vooch. But there's also a chance that like, you know, you're going all in for a guy who's not even going to close games yep. because they could just close with Vooch, DeMar, Zach, Caruso, and Lonzo. And then, you know, if you want to talk about another lineup, if they go big with Grant and Vooch and DeMar all in the game at the same time, and then you're probably pulling AC, uh, you know, does that lineup have enough shooting? It would be nice to give them some more size, but, you know, there's going to be some questions in trade-offs in terms of both offense and defense and whichever lineup they go with. But I think at the end of the day, it's sort of just like, why not? They went all in already. They yeah. gave up a shit ton for Vucevic. Yeah. You see Franz Wagner last night? He was taken with the number eight overall pick that the Bulls surrendered to the Magic. Franz Wagner looks like he's going to be amazing, Jason. And guess what? I still feel good about that trade because yeah. the Bulls have a two-game lead for the number one seed. I mean, even when, when Wendell looks good, too. He had, a really, he had 27 points. He looked awesome yesterday. But, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Wendell looked great. But, yeah, I just think that uh, – these opportunities only come around so much and I would rather be super aggressive and lose than lose. And you just kept your, you know, you kept your cards to yourself. So I, I think that was one of our biggest complaints about like the prior era is just like just p- playing with or just being way too conservative, conservative about stuff, not taking the chance on a big move. Sometimes, again, sometimes those big moves, can can backfire on you. You always need a little bit of luck with health and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, when you're in this position already, being a bit more aggressive for a shot at it right now is totally fine with me. If if it backfires, it is what it is. Like it happens. Like well, you said, just, just think about the upgrade. So like I've loved what Derek Jones has done this year, but like Jeremy Grant's a pretty big upgrade over Derek <laughs> yeah. Jones. Yeah, if you're like energy guy, small ball five. Can sh- he can shoot better than Jones. Yeah. He's much longer than Jones. Seven, three wingspan. He's stronger. Uh, Derek Jones has been awesome, but in, you know, Pat, I think could be really good in the future, but man, like the nets are getting Kyrie back. The Bucks just, they still feel like they're probably the team to beat in the conference. I mean, right? you want like, somebody to, I mean, guarding Giannis is very difficult, but I mean, just the upgrade Grant that Grant, that yeah. Jeremy Grant would be that guy. Like as good as like Caruso and Lanzo are like, and they could probably do an admirable job. Like, I don't want those guys. To ne- I mean, as of right now, those are like your primary Giannis defenders, like those two, right? I don't even, like, like if you face the Bucks, like they have, I mean, they have Middleton out there as well. You got a big garden. I don't know how big Drew Holiday is, but you got Holiday, Middleton and Giannis. I mean, that's, uh, if you have like Caruso or Lanzo and Holiday, it's one of them. Somebody's got to guard Middleton. Like I said, tomorrow or Zach. And you need somebody like better. I feel like you just need an upgrade to help guard Giannis. And that's so what Jeremy Bulls, Grant would fit in right there. The Bulls haven't played the Bucks yet, which is weird because they're a division opponent. Yeah. But that's the team that I'm scared of. Like we've seen the Bulls go 2 0 against the Nets. And, you know, they're playing again in a couple of weeks. And Kyrie could torch the Bulls or Durant could go off. The Nets could look unstoppable. I'll take my chances against the Nets. The Bucks is what really scares me just because I feel like the Bucks match up well with the Bulls and the Bulls don't match up well with the Bucks. Like the Bucks have guys, they can throw it to Mar and Zach to try to slow them down. And I think the Bulls don't really have a guy they could throw at Giannis. And while still like maintaining really good defense on Middleton, who's like 
the type of guy who you can defend him really well and he can still hit ridiculous yeah. shots. So uh, the trade deadline, what is it, February 10th? Yeah. February 10th. So this is going to be a big subject around the fan base uh, for the next, you know, five weeks. And until it happens, uh, you know, it, it's going to be something that hangs over him. But it's going to be fun to see the Bulls in this upcoming stretch, play against Clay, play against Kyrie, go toe-to-toe with the Warriors and the Nets again, uh, sort of see how they stack up to the best teams in the league. I do not think Clay is going to play that Bulls game unless it, the Warriors play the Bucks the night before. So I guess it could depend on which game of the back-to-back they play. Maybe, maybe they do have him play in the Bulls game and not the Bucks game. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I hope he plays the Bulls game. It'd be really fun. I just hope he doesn't hit 14 three-pointers against them like he did a few years ago. Send that to me record. Because I'm also probably I'm playing on going to that Bulls-Warriors game. So I would love to see Clay uh, in action. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, with the schedule coming up, it'll definitely be interesting. And just this next month will be uh, a lot. should be a lot, very exciting. It's just nice to be able to talk about the Bulls. Uh, obviously, they bought last year. Now, hopefully, they'll be buying again this year with the trade deadline coming up. It's just nice to have them be in a meaningful spot to make upgrades and to have those upgrades actually mean something for the rest of the season should be very exciting. I got nothing else. So we, we good here. I think we can wrap it up. All right. Yeah. So obviously the bulls have a couple, few more days off today. We're recording right now on Tuesday night. Uh, so this pot will be up a bit later. Bulls are off Wednesday. Bulls are off Thursday. Then they got home against the wizards Friday. Then I think it's at Dallas on Sunday, and then they got a really busy week next week, as we mentioned already. So a lot of Bulls action coming up here after a little break here. It'll be nice to have this little break just to get the, let the guys recharge the batteries. Hopefully Caruso gets cleared here pretty soon. Maybe he can come back for, if not Friday, hopefully Sunday against Luca uh, in Dallas. And yeah, a lot of stuff going on. So uh, enjoy the break here, Bulls. And hopefully they could get refreshed and be ready to roll for this really difficult stretch coming up. So that's going to do it for us here at Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. If you love what we're doing here at Cash, please go check out all the other great pods across the Blue Wire Network as well. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Hit us up. Questions, comments, concerns, any ideas, anything like that. We're always down to interact with the fans on Twitter. And as always, shout out to Fuzz Gun. Check out a SoundCloud maker of our intro. New intro this year. New year, new Bulls. 20, we got a new year right now, 2022. Hopefully the Bulls keep on winning games. Eight game winning streak. Let's keep this rolling moving forward. And we will talk to you guys next time. Take it easy.